But you know what? I would also love to be as Ukraine. I believe it is such a strong country and a great example to get motivation and inspiration from. I see it as a fighter through the history. And despite all the obstacles out there, not a very friendly neighbor, getting away from this strict and awful regime of Soviet Union, genocide of Ukrainians, now Russian aggression and war, and a lot more, Ukrainians and our country has fought our way to become an independent state, a prosperous state, open for opportunities, growing, and a democracy which I am very proud of. This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. In reality, Ukrainian people are much better, much more interesting and friendly than other people expect. This podcast is about the real life, experiences, work, and personalities of Ukrainian people with a focus on the capital, Kiev, so that foreigners discover the positive truth about Ukraine, hear the voices of Ukrainians, visit the country, and invest in the economy creating more opportunities for the younger Ukrainian generations to stay and build their country. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help liquidate the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me and even though he struggled with cancer after that for the rest of his life, He always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then, from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for the children who lost their families in the war. I couldn't return to Ukraine in 2020 because of COVID-19, so this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine. And thank you all so much for the support. This podcast is ranking higher and higher every day. Now it's number one on Apple Podcasts about Ukraine. Top 100 travel podcasts in France. Top 100 in Switzerland. Top 100 in Ireland. Top 60 travel podcasts in the United Kingdom. Top 60 in Norway. Top 50 in Sweden. Top 50 in Canada. Top 30 in Italy. Top 30 in Spain. Top 25 on Apple Russia, top 20 on Apple Poland, top 20 in the Netherlands, top 10 in Finland, Romania, Cyprus, and South Korea. So please keep supporting as we will reach together 100 interviews and more and follow the new Instagram of this project, Aziz.Future. My guest today is Daria Malevka from Zaporizhia to the Thomas Jefferson Charter School for the Flex Exchange Program, from being a city and region representative at the American Councils for International Education. Dasha is an international business student in one of the best European business schools, Grenoble École de Management, <laughs> location in the European Silicon Valley, the capital of the Alps, Grenoble. She was the organizer of the Entrepreneurship Festival with the best student association in France, 
in innovation, research, and development, J'aime Entreprendre. The festival consists of conferences, workshops, startup village with over 40 startups and a lot more. She was and is the co-founder of the nonprofit organization Youth Bringing Immigrants Together, managing the volunteers and the head of the Human Resources and Strategy Department. She was the organizer of the interactive course about entrepreneurship, Teenovation for Klitschko Foundation. She was the organizer of more than 40 events with more than 3,000 participants and a lecturer at webinars and seminars about neuromarketing, effective language learning, and opportunities for youth. Dasha, how are you today? Hello, Aziz. Thank you for such a lovely introduction. I am doing amazing today. I am very excited to be here with you tonight. How are you? I'm amazing. I'm happy. I'm excited. And to begin, look, I will ask you a question I don't ask often, and maybe it's easy or maybe it's difficult. Either way, it's fun. What is a moment or an experience you had in the last three months that really stayed with you and touched you emotionally at a deep level? It can be anything. Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind was actually the innovation course that we created uh, with Klitschko Foundation, uh, which was a seven-day uh, interactive course for teenagers from different parts from Ukraine with lecturers from all over the world and a lot of interactive activities. And actually, the last day when we saw the impact we did on the participants, when we saw their uh, general outcome, was a very touching moment to uh, me personally. Uh, and it made me very happy. And it was a huge force to move forward and uh, keep going. Now I have to ask you, I was going to ask why that is important. But look, there are some people who classify that human beings, there are some who are starters and they love the beginning of new ideas, but they don't complete the project and they jump from one to one, where there are others who are finishers, they complete projects and they love the culmination and seeing the impact of their work. It seems to me, and please correct me if this is wrong, that you're actually someone who loves to finish projects and often you're okay and enjoy jumping into other people's projects and ideas that are great that you're convinced of and to continue them and see the results. Is this correct? Or are you in reality someone who loves to start, but you found that jumping from thing to thing isn't effective, so you taught yourself to finish? Uh, so it's a lovely question. Thank you. It really depends on the context. I think I love both. So sometimes it's really cool to start a new project and have your own idea and develop it like from A to Z and then come to the end through the whole process. So which uh, happened, for example, with innovation or with youth bringing immigrants together when we started just from scratch. And sometimes when you find someone with a cool idea already or something existing and you can jump in and help to develop it, help to broaden the project, maybe bring it uh, like bring a filial to your country, which I recently was doing with a couple, which excites me. 
Uh, so, and then you help in the global development of something already existing. And I personally love, uh, if I had to choose, I would probably choose like the culmination and bringing some action to the end. But strategy and starting from stretch is also very exciting. Interesting. You mentioned the word strategy. And if you, I believe strategy is the least understood world, word in the world of business and management and everything. And it's a concept that people can latch onto. Dasha, what is your definition of strategy? Well, it's as simple as planning or seeing the picture as a whole. Uh, and seeing the direction where to move, where to develop. Seeing. This is very interesting. So if I may ask you, since I think you love hiking in the mountains, is this co correct? Oh, yeah, that is very accurate. And therefore, to ask you, is the way you approach strategy the same way you approach hiking? Hmm, wow, that's an interesting comparison. I would say strategy is like trying to see the mountain from bottom to the top from a side and then actually doing the project or developing uh, organization is actually climbing up that top. I love this. Let's explore this metaphor because this is going to be a lot of fun and you are a highly visual person. It's confirmed. So let's begin. What kind of mountain is that mountain? when you thinking about strategy and about tactics and you said strategy is looking at the mountain and looking at the site and uh, tactics is implementation or hiking that mountain well when you ima imagine that mountain what do you imagine do you imagine like everest the alps some mountain in ukraine that is a perfect uh, question because actually i uh, yesterday i was on a hike and this is a perfect comparison so how I see that mountain is that in the beginning, you see some kind of a peak, but when you go up that peak, uh, there are some other peaks appearing and like moving you forward and above, which you were not aware when you started about. So this is exactly what happened yesterday when I thought we were going to some point and when we climbed it, apparently we had a lot more to climb, like 70% more. So I think this is the exact illustration. Great. So I have to ask you then again, and this is wonderful because there are two ways to approach planning. One is teleological, which means like you said, you begin with a peak and then you let the journey or the process or the road reveal itself. Well, there are other people who try to plan and put the milestones in or the smaller peaks like you mentioned and therefore i have to ask you because i have a guess about this but better to listen from you do you begin with the end in mind and then it's through the process and the discovery of the road you learn more and more about the plan and it changes and adapts over time or do you begin with a plan trying to put as much of the information as you can and collect as much as possible before you even begin, which is different way of approaching life. And to simplify it, do you go in that mountain and then while you walk, you discover the road or do you try to buy a map and think about the road, how it will be, and then you follow it all the way to the top? Uh, personally, I believe that, first of all, preparation is essential 
but you can never be 100% prepared. So even if you buy that map, that will not have all the details necessary exactly for your route. Uh, and secondly, I myself, I would prefer having some preparation and then exploring on the way up there and like actually seeing it in reality other than uh, pictured on the map. Interesting. And therefore, I have to ask you, which one did you begin with? Because life teaches us a lot. Did you begin as someone who plans a lot and you learn to be more spontaneous? Or did you be begin as someone who jumped into things and then you learned the value of planning? I think in high school, I was a very organized person. So I probably started as like planning the smallest details and so on. And with time, I began, uh, I became more spontaneous. Great. And I want to know more about you. So when you're doing things, okay, let's go back to the Klitschko Foundation and to see an impact. Well, when you imagine yourself in that moment and seeing the impact and allowing it to drive you forward, what exactly about that? was so meaningful to you? First of all, it was seeing the faces of the participants, how enlightened they were, how motivated and like interested in the topics that we explored together. Um, and second of all, I knew that they would keep going, they would share a word with their surroundings and um, that it actually had some impact on real people who were participants or who were surrounded by the project, like the speakers, the mentors, assistants, and so on. So real people, then please correct me if this is wrong, but it would seem to me that when you do any projects, you love when there are people involved and that you can see them and see the impact rather than being someone like an author who writes a book and then people are reading in the obscurity of the night or whatever, where you cannot see them. So are you more of that kind of person who likes feedback and to see the impact rather than someone who maybe could create helpful content, but they don't really see the feedback or the reactions and it's okay for them? I, I think I definitely love people, love communication, human interactions, live or online sometimes how 2020 taught us but yeah i think that feedback is really crucial for improvement for um, knowing how to do it better the next time and just normal human interaction is something that drives me tell me more how does it drive you because you mentioned twice the word drive what does that mean to you and you mentioned twice motivation as well can you expand on these, please? Well, I strongly believe that every human being has something unique to offer. And this is really um, exciting to explore people, to explore what they know, what they believe in, what are their goals or motivations, what actually drives them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that is what, what's exciting for me, that mm, you can learn from any person something very unique that you cannot learn from others and have this meaningful exchange of ideas, of thoughts, of uh, values. Okay. Meaningful, 
That's the first part. Please take notes. Please speak about what does meaningful exchange mean to you. But I'm going to explore something more psychological. There are two ways to care about impact. (laughs) There is a way that is actually psychologically not healthy. And it is that some people need the feedback in order to motivate themselves, and uh, which is that, look, they're not motivated, but to see that they're able to impact other people gives them the thought, maybe I'm important and therefore I should be driven and motivated and that will push them forward. Where there are other people, two other ways. One is about hope, that the more you see impact on people, the more you have hope in the goodness of the world. And there is a third one, which is more of the Mother Teresa, or uh, which is that you look at that impact and it's satisfying for you in itself and it gives you energy by itself, which you use to propel yourself forward. So which one of the three? Is it that the impact gives you belief in yourself or impact gives you hope in the world or (laughs) impact is just satisfying and fills you with energy by itself? Thank you, Aziz, for these three options. I think I would go for the second one, which is giving hope and having hope for the better world tomorrow than today. And actually, I like the idea of creating a world around you that you would like to see everywhere, like surrounding you by people who are, um, how to say, like who, who are creating a better world and doing something great, innovating Uh, and giving away as well, not only taking for yourself, like the profit and so on. Great. So now I have to ask, because such motivation begins in childhood. Did you have a role model or maybe a book or a character or a movie that represented for you this ideal and therefore you try to replicate it in your life in some level? Lovely question. I um, I would say that my big role model was my dad, uh, starting from childhood and uh, encouraging me to be the best version of myself, to be like the best student in class uh, in order to reach some um, success later on. And uh, he is a person that Uh, always have a lot of people around him, a lot of positive energy, a lot of jokes and just uh, enjoyment and like a big magnet um, catching all like the great people around. So that was a big example for me since um, I remember myself. Yes, it reminded me of Ricardo Cassianini who said he wants to surround himself with good quality people. So you wish to be also a magnet surrounding yourself with people who are trying to create a better world and to change the future. And so I have to ask you, because your father motivated you, you said to study hard, be the best in class so that you have a better future. There are people in the world who don't believe in education anymore, even in Ukraine. They think, well, so what if I get good grades? In the end, I will just have a bad paying job. And I remember I had a guest here who is a professor at the Kiev Polytechnic Institute. 
and he also has a job as a senior manager in an IT company in Ukraine. And he said that the, his salary as a professor is maybe like five days of work for the IT company. So he's doing it more to help the future generation. So to you, if someone came to you and said, why study? Why be the best? It's no use in Ukraine. What would be your argument to tell them and show them that there is a better way and that studying hard and being excellent has many, many benefits for their future? Well, I believe the education is just one of the keys uh, from, uh, to make a better world. Uh, and not only the regular education, like uh, following the path and like going to school, then going to university to do some major, and then, for example, working for something completely different, which is unfortunately a case uh, in, many, like, in many situations. But also not forgetting about self-education and actually exploring the fields that you're passionate about, that you enjoy the most, and like digging deeper in those. And that would um, consequently drive you to some great opportunities in those uh, spheres. And like one of the arguments would be just to be a change and uh, not settle for less for some position that you hate or like for some job that is really annoying. Uh, don't do that. Really find something you love, you feel highly passionate about and that you can just work uh, and it brings you enjoyment yourself, not not other like benefits or money. Bring you enjoyment and to focus on the field, the fields they're most passionate about. Well, to you, what are the fields that you're most passionate about? <laughs> That's a big question. Uh, I need to admit that I'm still on my way to like uh, exploring. Uh, the world and seeing where I would like to focus long term. Right now, there are different things that interest me. Like, for example, I'm very keen on innovation and like some new technologies and something that can uh, make a bigger influence. Um, and I study international business. So that's also a big one. Like, um, how it works in the huge international environment, how are the cultures different and different ways of interaction and actually like social entrepreneurship when you not only uh, create a business to make money, but you are actually thinking what an impact it's going to have on society or on the city you're basing in or globally. I noticed that impact, influence, bigger impact bigger influence, better world are very important to you. Can you explain more? Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> oh, well, um, I believe that um, as a human being and like living a life, it's great uh, to enjoy the life. I learned from French and from uh, others that it's actually really essential to sometimes catch the moments and enjoy them purely and not be productive like 24-7. Sometimes take a rest, breathe in, look around. But also I believe there's something behind, like uh, there, the, uh, each person creates its own uh, purpose, I believe. And I myself seen it as being mm, not only beneficial for myself, but for others in a way. 
And actually, recently I was at the conference with one man who is uh, who has uh, been advising around 60 governments on their strategies and uh, on how to lead um, and like on positive branding of the country. And one of the insights that he gave was to um, the countries get the positive uh, image from others when they actually do something good for other countries, not only for our, um, our, uh, themselves. So, for instance, Norway has a highly positive image in the world, uh, and not because the Norwegians live the high standards life, but because actually Norway creates some good things for others too. And are you similar to Norway? <laughs> I'd love to be. Okay, so quick question. If you could help a lot of people, but be anonymous, or help a lot of people, but also have them tell you about the feedback and have this positive image everywhere, which one would you choose? I would go for the feedback and communication with people, actually getting to know them, because why missing out on that? You said getting to know them. And before you spoke about communication and that it's very important to learn from people. Can you explain a bit more what can be learned from people? Oh, basically anything, like their ideas, how their mind works, uh, how they see life, how they see uh, what they're doing in life, like their jobs, what they feel passionate about, their hobbies. There's so much things to explore. Yes, and that reminds me of uh, something that Jordan Peterson mentioned once, that in reality, each one of us has our own perspective or piece of the puzzle to life. And when we share it with the group, we add that piece of the puzzle to the puzzle that the group is working on, allowing everyone to see more of their blind spots as well as discover more about reality. And that is the most essential and critical and important role for every human being in a group. And therefore, I have to ask you another thing. You seem to be both independent and community-oriented. How do you balance both? How do I balance both? I just, it's, uh, it's the way how I function and I uh, really don't think about it uh, in my everyday life. But uh, thinking now, it's just like uh, focusing on your personality, like focusing on our path, like setting goals. And I guess uh, community involvement comes naturally embedded in it for me personally. I think it uh, started uh, in flag, uh, during the flex year in the US when we were introduced to volunteering and since then, it became an integral part of my life. Thank you. And right now, what is your most enjoyable hobby or the thing that you do that you really, really like so that it allows you to have even more energy and rest to be more productive? I imagine it's hiking, but maybe there is something hidden somewhere. Oh, yeah, there are a couple. Um I love sports overall, like starting from skiing, water sports, rollerblading, cycling. Uh, I have been active since my childhood also thanks to my parents. And it's just like 
in some way how I work as a child I was the most energetic and like always running around I didn't even know how to walk I always ran somewhere and I didn't understand why lose time on walking if you can run um so that's one part uh and another hobby that I just recently realized that it was a hobby is uh, maybe like public speaking and participating in the conferences and workshops. A couple of days ago, my friend asked me if I was doing all those conferences for internships or for a hobby. And I realized that, yes, that is a hobby. <laughs> okay. It's wonderful. And if you had to choose either to do sports as much as you want forever, but no more conferences or to be like, public speaking as much as you want, but you're not allowed to do sports at all. So it's an evil, cruel question. But if you had to choose one, which one would it be? <laughs> that is such an evil question. Like, I am lost what to answer. <laughs> Can I do both simultaneously better? Well, the sport... Skiing while giving a conference, I'm not sure that will work well. You're like skiing... <laughs> with a GoPro. Yeah, well, the sports gives me that big uh, rechargement. Like when uh, sometimes when you're like loaded with um, studying, with organizations, with a lot of uh, tasks to do and sports just clears your mind and like in an hour you can become totally refreshed. And I have no idea how to say no to that because I don't see such a strong alternative. And then public speaking, uh, which I have been doing for a couple years now, and uh, it also gives you this sense of, uh, in some way, maybe even adrenaline or like energy uh, when you share and you feel so refreshed in another way. <laughs> I'm lost what to answer, honestly. Okay, so if I understood correctly, when you're studying a lot, working on many projects, you need to be refreshed or go into some kind of meditation and that is to use sports and therefore when you engage in sports you allow yourself to recharge that energy by letting go of all tensions and therefore you return fresh again and when you do public speaking and you see the impact on people and you're sharing and expressing your thoughts and ideas and have an impact in the world that you know will impact people in a way that will make their future better and therefore the future better. You feel that energy of hope maybe or something like that. Is this correct? Yeah, I would agree with you. And do you have some favorite thing no, actually, this is even more interesting. You have lived in the U.S., you have lived in Ukraine, and you have lived in France. If you could compare the people and the culture between three those three countries, how would you describe them to someone who didn't visit the U.S. or France or Ukraine? Wow, thank you for the question. Yeah, it's a really cool one, I think. <laughs> Well, coming originally from Ukraine and spending like my mm, first, I'd say, 16 years living in Ukraine, traveling to different places, but ba being based in Ukraine, I was adjusted to this way of life. And when I came to Flex uh, to the state of Idaho and stayed there for a year, 
I wouldn't say that it was a huge culture shock for me because I was already used to some international um, experience, but uh, spending a longer time there definitely had some impact and I explored people, uh, I'd say deeper. I had a chance to live in a couple of families which were quite different, like on social level, religiously and so on, which gave me a wider perspective. Um, and well, um, Americans, to me, they seemed like very open, open-minded, always smiling and positive. Uh, but in some way, comparing back to Ukraine, it was uh, more important to Ukrainians to form those deeper connections and relationships with people. While in the US, you could have tons of friends you hang out with, but don't really like get to know each other on a deep level. Uh, after that, arriving to France to study uh, here in business school, uh, it's a little bit different since I didn't really experience like living in a French uh, host family because I came here alone and I am living in a student residence and having lots of French uh, friends. Um, well, there there is some cool frameworks about mentalities. For example, there's a book about mentality, The Culture Map by Erin Mayer, which I think is fascinating to explore like the cultures on different spectrums of like openness to communication or like the level of like individualism versus uh, work as a community and so on and some frameworks like country comparisons and seven dimensions of cultures uh, which is always cool you can put different countries there on nations and compare on like even with some figures so for instance one of the facts I got from there is that Ukrainians are more focusing on a long term compared to French and especially compared to the US. Well, uh, it shows that people there live more like day to day, not thinking about like 50 years ahead. And uh, I would recommend everyone to check out those frameworks and the cultures and nations you're interested in, because uh, you for sure will be fascinated by uh, these different spectrums. One second, one second. A quick question to you is this. When you learn some new idea or framework, is that something that gives you a, a lot of energy? In a way, yes. It uh, also kind of feeds my curiosity. And uh, in that way, it's great because like, you get the answer. So you, you have a lot of curiosity as a person. Yeah, I would say that. And you're curious about people more than anything. People, ideas, yeah. And when you're curious about people and about ideas, do you like ideas that are practical or do you like concepts that could be idealistic? Probably practical to implement it in the real world. However, it's sometimes th uh, cool to think of something like outside of this world, but I, I think I'm more a realist. Oh, and mine. when you learn something practical and you share it in a seminar, how does that change the idea or your learning or satisfy your curiosity? Well, it enlarges it in a way. Sometimes you get a, a cool feedback or some idea connected it from people and you can see it on a bigger scale. Or uh, oppositively, you can concentrate on some detail and later go deeper in that and explore that further on.
This reminds me of what you said when you lived with more than one family in the U.S. and that gave you perspective. So are you, is that the thing that in many ways having different perspectives or larger perspective on things is something that is very important to you? Is this correct? I think, yes, it should be to everyone, like to understand the society better, not just think so Yes, I came to the U.S. This is my American family. So every single family here is like that. No, just to know that we are different and here are uh, some versions or some uh, examples. And when you communicate with people and they give you their feedback, that also gives you perspective or is that something different? Yeah, it does, especially if a person is commenting on something or giving personal example or enlarging the pie by something they know that I was not aware of. I notice enlarging bigger picture is something very important to you. Can you explain more about this? And also, how does it relate to the mountain and to hiking? I love it. <laughs> Your questions are always on point with some cool metaphors too. So enlarging the picture or uh, is for like knowing why are you doing it globally for seeing like maybe a sphere or industry you're interested in, but in a global picture of the world, like where it stands, what role it has. Um how important it is or how many people it involves or could impact. And the mountain, well, then the industry would be my mountain and like the whole mountain range, like let's say Alps or the Carpathians would be the whole world of things, people, idea and uh, ideas, cultures and so on. Thank you. So in many ways, I'm starting to think you're, a high-level strategic thinker and that anything you learn, you connect it to a bigger picture and you try to look not, for example, when you learn something, you always connect it to something bigger and try to go on a global scale and link it to how it can impact other people and the whole of humanity. Is this a correct and fair understanding? Yeah, it's always really cool to see it on a bigger scale, to understand and actually to place it in your brain in the right place. You know how the brain works with like those multiple connections and the more connections you have, the stronger you rem remember things. So it's actually like in some way helping organizing the brain. Uh, I like to see the brain as a library with different books and shelves. So Now tell me more, tell me. So the brain is a library with a different with different books books and shelves well yeah, what kind of library is that library is it the harry potter <laughs> one <laughs> or what kind of library is that it's and like tell me round, round roof and round wall, walls like that great and tell me more about the rules by which that library works well um you organize it in sections you place examples, experiences, and like theory frameworks there. And then and people give you examples that you place there, correct? Yeah. Or your personal examples. Yeah. Or a lot of examples by others or stories and so on. 
So the bigger picture is like finding which section of the library to put. The framework is more like the, the topic is the, the place and the framework could be the shelf. And then the examples could be the pages of, of the book or how does it work? Yeah, you described it actually perfectly. I was never like thinking of it of very like precisely like we do now. But yeah, that's a good um, illustration. And why library and not computer or anything like that? And is this library more of a modern design or is it the old wooden kind of library or maybe the one from the north in Game of Thrones <laughs> or anything like that? I think I'm pretty young still, so I would go for the modern design, but maybe with time it would become that kind of historic modern or historic uh, library that would not be more than in like 50 or 70 years or whatever. And that library, is it always changing? It seems to me that you're always dynamically updating it and changing things. And maybe when you learn something, it's like finding a book. And that the next step after learning is to understand and map out where to put it in the library. And that is a task by itself. Is this a fair understanding? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I believe every human being is constantly growing. Uh, their understanding of the world, their knowledge, and their libraries, in a way. And how does that library help you do better when you're hiking the mountain? Um, it is a main driver of hiking. Like when it's becoming tough and your body is starting to refuse this idea and like doesn't understand why are you doing that? Why do you need to get to that very top? Then it's all in your head and then it's you motivating your legs to like move and get there. And then when you get there and you get the most fabulous view with the, the whole mountain range and the sunset, and then you actually understand why was it all happening. So if I understood correctly, when you're hiking and your legs are about to give up and give in, the uh, library with the frameworks, the ideas and people's examples and stories keep you motivated so it's the driver and then when you arrive to the peak and see the sun and the mountain range and the view you understand why it's all worth it is this correct yes absolutely aziz <laughs> and if you can tell me more about that mountain peak do you see yourself as having arrived there before or you're still on those smaller peaks that you're discovering each time and each time you think 20% is left. I remember I was speaking with a software engineer who was learning a new framework called Ember because he didn't code for a long time. And he said, every time I think I'm 80% done, I discover that I'm only at 40% and there is 60% more. And each time I think, Again, okay, okay, this time I'm at 80. No, there is 60% more to be finished. Can you comment on this? You know what? I think nobody has ever reached that final highest peak. I believe that humans are actually always reaching those smaller peaks, moving up and up. And I don't think everyone, anyone has ever reached that final one, final goal. 
So we are always in the way of a progress, always going up, sometimes down to get more up, uh, evolving in our own path. Thank you. But then I have a concern about this metaphor, because you said when you arrive to the peak and you see the scenery there, then you know what it was all about. While the, the library is also the driver. And if no person can arrive to the peak, then does it mean you will never really experience what it's all about? Actually, those peaks on our way to a higher one have absolutely great sceneries and different ones as well. So it's like seeing uh, the goal and actually with every peak you reach some some results and it's looking fabulous and with every next result it's even better or in a way different. Uh, so there is this, um, how to say, so you get back from being on each single peak. Thank you. And now I have to ask, because you are describing yourself to be very process-oriented, that you enjoy the journey and the milestones and the peaks, but you said you learned how to enjoy life more from the French. So is this a new attitude or in reality you didn't learn as much from the French? It just reconfirmed your natural uh, perspective and attitude. So I think I have been always enjoying the process of maybe even like sometimes studying of doing hobbies, organizing projects and like getting the enjoyment here and there through the process. But what I meant with French is more like, you know, the stereotypical uh, image that you could have in your head, like sitting in a cafe, drinking coffee with a croissant, looking at the uh, Eiffel Tower but not necessarily during the workload hours. Thank you, Dasha. And I'm really curious about that library and how it's a driver of the hike up the mountain to the peak, because you said when your legs are about to give up and you can't move forward anymore, the library, in a way, is the driver and therefore, I have to ask, because it seems to me that the library has in it information, examples, etc. And usually, the driver is emotional. So what does that library have that gives you emotions? Or is it the stories of other people who made it that gives you the strength and the faith because also you mentioned another thing, that the driver is the library, but the real driver in a way is arriving at that mountain and knowing what it was all about. Yeah, I would say it's the imagination of being at the top there, feeling the emotions that you would feel. And of course, if you have already a backup of like stories of people who've done it before, or if you've done something similar and actually went on another peak and saw that view, so then you can recall and find it somewhere in the library. <laughs> and are you then someone who you write down your goals every day actively, or do you daydream a lot 
and maybe even as a child when you were running all over the place and never walking because that was a waste you were always living in your own imaginary world uh, dreaming and daydreaming of different peaks i would say that I, I don't write the goals daily, but I kind of try to systemize them in my head or write down some tasks. And I would say that probably I'm a more realist and I was more likely to run around with other kids and play games together uh, other than uh, living in an imaginary world for myself. Great. Running around with kids and playing games together. And how is that similar to workshops? and seminars and online events where you public speak well the only like difference is that kids have grown up and their interests have changed and now we're getting together in a new way and kind of playing other games <laughs> you're playing other games with ideas so what kinds of games if you are to make this as a metaphor would those games be or if I mean, I don't know, you didn't mention where, whether when you were hiking, you're hiking alone in that metaphor or you're hiking in a group. Depends on a hike, but more likely in a group of people with a similar vision and then you can help each other and uh, help with motivation, with some tips and do it together. But some mountains, you're alone there and you just need to keep going and driving yourself. And which one in this case and in this situation in your life and in this phase is the one you are you think is more valuable to you? Those mountain hikes on your own or the ones with other people with a similar vision who motivate each other and give each other tips? All your questions are so amazing and sometimes even difficult to answer, I have to say. Um, if I have to choose, it's, you know, like, uh, I guess when you're hiking with a group of people, yes, you're going to the same mountain at the point, but at the end, you all have your personal goals and they might like your ways might separate at some point and you'll go to one mountain and that person will go to another. So maybe sometimes you're just for some period of time, you're like together. Uh, or you have a similar vision and going into the same direction. But at the end, I believe it's you who always stays with yourself. So it's important to have that like relationship established and then be able to go out and share with people and add value to that group. So it's you with yourself, but sometimes you're walking with people, specifically when you are with people, who have the same vision as you on a hike to a peak. Well, how do you imagine that process happened? Is it finding people already going there and making that a group? Or is it you or someone has a vision and they, in many ways, give or persuade or influence other people of this vision so that it becomes shared? Well, it is both. Probably it is easier to find people already with that mindset and get together, which is also practical. But sometimes uh, some people might not think of these like ideas at all and be concentrated on their lives. And then if you tell them, if you share, 
and they might find it really interesting for them too and get involved as well. And when hiking with other people, what happens to the library? Does the libraries together join or the tips and motivations are people sharing parts of their library or it becomes a huge library mix of all everyone's different libraries into a huge one over the group or next to it? I think it goes like an exchange between libraries and you just send different books um, to one another and exchange those ideas. So is communication to you that exchange of ideas and of different books between different libraries? Yeah, exactly. And why is the metaphor a library? Did you have really peaceful or special moments uh, with going to some specific library or is it something you read about or your father spends a lot of time at your home small library and had maybe a bookshelf full of books or how did that become the metaphor well just some day i thought of this of this in a way and also i had this funny uh thing when do you know sometimes you cannot remember some word and I was imagining yes. like a librarian person, like running around this library, finding the uh, correct book and like the correct page. <clears throat> and then when you actually recall that word, that uh, library person has succeeded. So that was also an image that somehow appeared randomly in my brain. I love that image. And to ask you then, you're a very productive person. And... Well, what is another metaphor that can symbolize the way you approach productivity that other people listening now could benefit from? Well, a simple example that comes to my mind is keeping a daily, uh, like a list of tasks to do. And for example, if you complete them all or most of them, then it's a great job for you. Is that completed list of tasks every day a small peak? And how do you feel at the end? Yeah, that might also count as a small peak. Um, if you reach it at the f and you feel rewarded and satisfied with yourself. Rewarded and satisfied with yourself. So are those emotions of feeling rewarded and satisfied with yourself because you reach the small peak and you know that it means you're on the right direction for the bigger peak and always not going for a better future, a better uh, world and more impact. And then I have even to ask, because you said nobody reached that peak and you said that your goal is a better future, which doesn't exist yet. Does that final peak or the large peak exist? or do we create it by going through the hike? And that peak, in many ways, symbolizes the better future that doesn't yet exist. Yeah, I think it is formed through the process. I cannot say exactly what's that highest peak end point at this point. I just see the direction and I go there. And with time and with more experience, I get more details, more insights and a deeper understanding of that end goal. Yes, and let's speak about emotions more. When you do public speaking, you feel energy. And when you 
uh, do sports, you feel energy. And when you improve your library, you feel energy. Is this correct? Yeah, indeed. And what does energy mean for you? Because it's a word that is personal. Oh, yeah. Energy can be defined in so many ways. To me, it's that force that drives you and you just feel mm, so much better and so much stronger and like wanting to share and you're like a bulb that was lit up. A bulb that was lit up with energy. So tell me more. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, that's it. You get that electricity from some activities from sport, as you said, or like from interactions with others, from learning new things or trying them uh, in a practical way. And did your father have that electric energy? Because you said he was a magnet to great people, which is also electromagnetic. Oh, yeah, I believe, yeah, he, uh, he does have that. Uh, and in a way, our whole family is like energetic, <laughs> And your whole family is energetic. And are they also driven? Yeah, we are driven and we are expressing ourselves, like uh, being more extra extroverts than introverts. So the light bulb shine a light that is expressing yourself and the electricity is a driver. Is this a correct understanding? Well, yeah. Yeah, electricity appears because of some actions let's say done by people and then it motivates for further actions and bigger steps are those actions done by you or done by other people and it motivates you into bigger steps uh it can be both ways but um mostly i'd say it's you start doing something and then you see some progress and you get motivated from that and that keeps going or you see some uh, people who are doing great job, who are actually putting themselves out in different industries, in different spheres, creating something new, improving the systems. And that also motivates you to uh, be as good in something that you are passionate about. This is wonderful. And therefore, I have to ask, to be productive, you need a level of routine. But it seems to me that you're excited about change and about the potential and the possibilities for new things. Is this, like, how does both work? Did you learn and you drive yourself to live in routine long enough to create the change? Or were you always able to juggle both? I think motivation is great, but it comes and goes. So it's important to also have a discipline in place or some kind of schedule that you follow. Because, for example, during the conferences, that motivation goes way up, but sometimes it can go and just disappear. But you need to keep yourself going and moving, and that's where discipline comes in place. So discipline also is the driver and it's the library at the same time. And that light bulb, electricity comes and goes. What keeps it going then? Well, let's say, <laughs> coming back to the metaphors, for example, motivation is that light. Sometimes it turned on, sometimes off. Sometimes there's slight light. But the discipline would be those cords that are connecting bulbs to the whole system. And it's there in place. 
it doesn't come and go. And sometimes you just rely on that system to light it up. And that is your connection to humanity and to global systems. Is this correct? Yeah, cool. Yes, it is. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, we can speak for a long, long time. I don't want to kill the listeners (laughs) too much, but this is so fascinating. So, okay, to end, please end with, there's going to be three questions. The first one, please give real advice that touches your heart and that is meaningful to you that maybe one or two or many listeners will listen and think, wow, that was useful to me. Something that you wish someone told you. Okay, that's a great question. Thank you. Uh, What I would say and recommend to the listeners is to use opportunities available and grab to them. Try new things. Put yourself out in the world and explore yourself and the world. Don't be scared. Don't stay in your comfort zone. Always try to get outside of the box, outside, try new things. And uh, I believe you will find something fascinating in it. And maybe that might become your passion. Maybe you can learn that it's not meant for you. And then you, uh, in any ways, you get to explore yourself and get to learn new things. Yes, to grow your library. And... The second question is, if you were to describe Ukraine, the Ukrainians, and everything about Ukraine to foreigners who never visited, what would be kind of a general way to describe the culture, the people, and the energy? Oh, I absolutely recommend to all the listeners, to all the international people, I'm always inviting my friends to visit Ukraine and to explore it yourself from the inside, because there is so much there. There's like ancient history. There's a lot of um, people who are uh, who are welcoming, who are hospitable, who will show you around and will be very happy to share. Uh, there's incredible nature, which is probably one of the, like the most varied uh, comparing to other European countries. For example, starting from the seas to the mountains, from the field to different cliffs. There is a big desert. There are lots of lots of rivers, lakes, caves, and so on. It's I, I promise there's a lot to explore on that side. And then Ukrainian community uh, is one of the most democratic from post-Soviet countries. It is evolving. It is open for opportunities, open for foreigners. There's a lot of niches out there to fill in than comparing like to Western Europe or to the US. They're completely filled with tons of competition. While in Ukraine, it's still open for you to to fill. And um, I believe that uh, it's a must to visit and explore. Thank you. That's a wonderful, wonderful way to think and advice to give and recommendation to share and finally if people want to communicate with you to learn more about your work maybe participate in upcoming workshops that are online or whatever what are the best links and places for them to go probably it's my linkedin daria malevka or my instagram dasha underscore malevka i will put those in the description and it was a pleasure and an honor and it was a great great time that explore in your mind so dasha i wish you a great day
Thank you so much, Aziz. It was wonderful. I am really happy and looking forward for this podcast. Have an amazing day too.